presence of the Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your presence that's always with us. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of the Lord came upon men. In the New Testament, which is our life, the Spirit of God lives in us. Things have come upon us to do things that He's told us to do. The Spirit of the Lord will help us in doing certain things at certain times. But the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God, people, lives in us all the time. All the time. I'm a nature guy. I'm a hunter. I'm a fisher. I'm a star watcher. I love the planets and all that type of stuff. And I just get out and I have a farm. And I just get out in nature. And I see God's hands in everything. One night, one morning, every my every day starts before sunrise with a cup of coffee on my back porch talking to the Lord. Every day starts like that. Because I know that without Him, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here without Him. So, you know, you know we talk some, sometimes we talk too much to God when we should be listening. And, you know, I run off... At, a lot of times, I have a wife and I have three daughters. And I have a son. So I didn't get a lot of talk time. I did a lot of listening. So when I get a chance to talk, I yap. I, I talk about stuff. So I was sitting out back one morning, and I was looking. Do you know every night you can see planets with the naked eye? And there's a big old star up in the western sky in the evening time. You think it's a star, but it's actually Venus. And it's 186 million miles away. And you can see it with the naked eye easy. Now, is that not amazing? Think about that now. And I was sitting outside one morning looking at the stars, just yapping to God, just being, being so thankful. Thanking Him for all that. Thanking Him for my life. Thanking Him for allowing me to see these things that I've seen. And I was looking up at the stars just thinking about, you know, just thanking Him for it. He, and I, like I said, I was yapping. He said, Jeff. And I stopped yapping. And uh, I said, yes, sir. He said, I put all of that in you. He's put all of that in every one of us so that we could... Because it's the Spirit of God who created all this. God. He told... He said, light be. And the Spirit, the Holy Spirit was hovering over the face of the deep, over darkness. And when He said, light be, Holy Spirit went to work. And it's never stopped. They're still finding universe. There's millions of universes. And I don't know what's on other planets, but I know on this one, the glory of God lives here. He told everything on this earth to prosper. And everything on this earth does exactly what God tells it to do except man. We got free will. And we can do what we want to. Even when God's tell us to do something that we should be doing, sometimes we don't listen. But if you look at anything else on this planet, just like I did a, a video the other day on Facebook. If you don't cut your grass for about three weeks, guess what? It's going to be about this high. Because you know what? God told it to grow. And it doesn't. Ants do what they're supposed to do. Vultures do what they're supposed to do. All, everything except man. He gave us a free will so that we could come with our own hearts to Him to ask Jesus Christ to come into our lives. And I assume everybody in this room's done that. Now y'all, I got a tender place in my heart for the Lord. And I will cry. Good. Talking about the goodness of God. Good. Uh, it's just... Good. Me and this other guy we go to church with, Rick Apperson, 
Well, boo-hoo, talking about the goodness of God. Well, you know, uh, Kevin was real last night. Just laid it all out there. Wore his shirt, never quit. So I said, I'm going to be real. I'm going to wear my shirt, and I'm going to lay it all out there. Okay? But since we started following the Lord in 1999, uh, the Lord has just been with us, blessed us, put us in opportunities to do things for the Lord. Like, I was just telling Pastor Brad about how the Lord, just like every church we've been in, I mean, we don't even have to say anything, volunteer for anything. It's like, something comes up, somebody had, the first church we were at, I mean, it was a Holy Ghost throwdown church. I mean, every service was like on fire. And we got in there and just every night, well, I could only come on Sunday night and Wednesday night because I worked on Sundays at that time. And it was back in 2000, 2000, and uh, UPS was on strike. And I worked for the post office. So if the UPS is not working, guess who gets the overflow? We did. So we've got these big silver containers about that wide, about six feet long, about that tall. Every day we would get like 86 of them with packages in them. We was working 12 hours a day, seven days a week. Well, we'd go to that church, that little church in a warehouse of a cabinet shop where the Holy Ghost was moving. And I'd get there, I'd get there after church started. My wife couldn't save me a seat. Uh, the pastor's dad would save me a seat by the back door. And I, every time I came in there, Holy Ghost, like I always say, get me in the headlock. You know, hey, hey, hey. Boy, he did, I would boo-hoo. He just washed me clean. And one night, I came in there, and the pastor's brother was a praise and worship leader, and he played the trumpet. Man, he was up there blowing that trumpet and singing. And man, it wasn't nothing but Jesus gold coming out of that thing. And he was saying, just he he started saying, just call on the name of Jesus. And man, I just I was like I was already boohooing because Holy Ghost was working on me. So I just I was boohooing. I just said Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And the third time I said Jesus, I was looking up, and he appeared before me on the cross, and it was real. I can still see the blood running off of him. And I just started just weeping hard. And he raised his head and he looked at me. He said, Jeff, it's okay. I did it for you. He told me that three times. And after he told me that the third time, I reached up there and I grabbed his forearm on the cross. And after that, if you'd tell me it wasn't real, we'd been in the floor. Because I know it's real. I know everything that God's Word says is real and that it's true. And it happened. It happened. This book needs nothing else to testify of itself. Because it needs no other book, no other man. We testify about what this Word does in our life. But this book testifies of itself. It stands alone as a supreme power in this universe. But I, I made these shirts last year. I do a, a men's retreat every fall at the beach. And anybody in here is welcome to come. Yeah, tell us about it. When is it this year? All right, it'll be September 22nd through the 24th, right? We'll leave on a Wednesday and come back on a Saturday. We go down to Laguna Beach. We got a two-story house rented. It'll probably sleep 60 people. And uh, go down there for three days of ministry. If you choose to go on it, we have an eight-hour deep-sea fishing trip. Which I'll take you on the pier this year. Yeah, Brad, take you out on the pier, which is fun. I like fishing off the beach. But anyway, just like... I forgot what I said.
This book stands alone testifying of itself. And I've done this men's retreat for 20 years. And it's awesome just like, like y'all talking about, getting men together and just talking and sharpening one another. And it's, it's always amazing. But anyway. Something different shows up every time. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. And but anyway, back to where. And then when I grabbed his arm, that changed my, that sealed my life forever about where I was going to go. No matter what was going on in my life, no matter what difficulty was happening. Oh, I was getting to Kevin being real. A real talk last night. Well, I'm going to do some real talk myself. Come on. All right. I, this shirt, I made, had these made last year on purpose. Anything you do to be successful, you got to do it on purpose. Yeah, you're, you're not going to trip over it. It's not going to happen by accident. You're going to have to do it on purpose and you're going to have to work at it. Just like Steve was talking about, I, when we first started, I had the Bible on cassette tape. And at that time, I worked on the night shift and I ran a machine at the post office. I listened to the Bible so much, I wore the ink off the cassettes. I had to go back with a Sharpie and write on there what it was. Had my little Walkman on my hip, you know. And what would happen, the way God worked with me, when I'd hear something, it'd catch my spirit. And I'd rewind it, listen to it again, rewind it three times. Three times. God's favorite number, three times. And then on break, I'd go to my locker, get my Bible out, and God would open things up to me. Uh, Turn over to Proverbs chapter 8. This is not in my notes. That means it's a free nugget. Yes, sir. And so, one night, see, my wife's redheaded and Irish. And she's every bit of it. And I, whoo, I love her for it. But I have to be prepared. Because like, back a long time ago, before we started seeking the Lord, we used to have Bibles. We had some Bibles. But we stayed, I mean, she was, she was rough. <laughs> I thought I was tough. But then we found a church, started seeking the Lord. You know, and demand everything started flowing with God. And one night, I was listening to this in Proverbs chapter 8. Let's see. Uh, I, I caught this in my spirit on the machine at work. And I went to, my bath, to the, bath, the locker room, which was the bathroom also, and got my Bible out. And the Lord told me to start in verse 22. And in my Bible at that time, the header above it was wisdom. So I started reading this. It said, The Lord possessed me at the beginning of His way, before His works of old. I have been established from everlasting. From the beginning, before there ever was an earth, when there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there was no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, Before the hills I was brought forth, while as yet he had not made the earth or the fields or the primal dust of the world. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters would not transgress his command. When he marked out the fountains of the earth, then I was beside him as a master craftsman. And I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and my delight was with the sons of men. When I read that, it came up in my spirit, and I said, that's talking about Jesus. Woo! Jesus was with God before the foundations of the world. Before the earth was ever formed, Jesus was there. And God said, He was daily my delight. Amen. So what should He be to us? What should Jesus be to us? Daily our 
He should be daily our delight. Very good. Well, when I, I read that, I said, my God, that's talking about Jesus. And as soon as he said, I said that, Jesus said to me, Good. As soon as I said that I was talking about Jesus, Jesus said to me, He said, And I was with you that night. Very good. Very good. Come on. He said, You didn't even know how to pray. You begged me to do something. And let me tell you what was going on that night. Of course, me and my wife, we were fighting like cats and dogs. She was doing a lot of scratching, and I was doing a lot of barking. <laughs> and uh, so I said, I knew this wasn't good, and it wasn't going to be good. I said, I'm out. Y'all, it could have been a movie. I walked out that door. It was thunder and lightning and like nobody's business and raining. And I was walking out that sidewalk to my truck, and she was walking behind me talking to me. And then she said one thing that caught my attention. She said, Jeff, I'm just trying to get you to change. And that caught my attention. I turned around and I looked at her in the eye and I said, you can't change me. Come on. But I didn't know who could. And I got in my truck. Tires were bald. Got on 65 South, flying towards Montgomery, hoping I would run off the road, hit a pylon or a tree, and kill myself. Come on. Bless the Lord. Well, quit raining. I got tired of driving. I didn't run off the road. Didn't have any guts to do it myself. So, I drove back home. I got back home about four in the morning, and I laid in that floor. And I begged God to do something. I didn't know how to pray. I just begged him. Well, that, that back to the locker room. And he said, you didn't know how to pray. And you begged me to do something. And I did. He said, I sent y'all that little girl. So you'd have something to love. To take your minds off of one another. Till I could get you into a place to learn to love me, talking about Jesus, learn to love each other, and learn to love yourselves. Very good. And he orchestrated the whole thing. Yes, sir. Yes. And my wife was talking to my friend that was going to this church that we started going to, this before we started going there. And uh, they were trying to get me saved, <laughs> get me baptized. Yeah. Well, I was already saved. I just was away from it. My mama took me out of church when I was nine. I just went buck wild. <laughs> and uh, but I was talking to my buddy on the phone one day. He said, "Now he, he he's real serious." He said, "Now you know when you start coming to church and you give your life to the Lord." He's going to change you. I said, okay, Lee. You know, I'm cool with that. You know, I need some changing. And he says, well, he's going to change you. I said, okay. I said, I'll see you later. And I hung the phone up. And I said to myself, change this? Why would you want to change this? <laughs> and so, fast forward forward. God got us into a place where all these things took place, got baptized in swim pool. First thing I ever went to the church is having a barbecue baptism. And uh, we went, and uh, my little girl was three at that time, and I was holding her in my arm, and the pastor was baptized. He said, anybody else want to get baptized? I didn't know anybody there. Didn't know the pastor. Nobody. Just knew my friend that had invited us I said, I want to get baptized. And I waded down into that pool. 
And the pastor said, you know, usually I like to talk to somebody before I baptize them. He said, but the Lord told me to go ahead and baptize you. We'd worry about the rest of it later. Mm. Well, praise God. (laughs) I got baptized, got filled with the Holy Ghost, and man, the rest of it's been history. Praise God, man. We've been on fire for the Lord ever since. All my, look, I you know, it ain't me. It ain't me, y'all. I just submitted. There you go. I just submitted. You're I right. surrendered. You're right. Come on. We got four children. And you know, I know some of y'all's stories are different. But when we started going to church, we went to church. We didn't just like go on. So we went Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Monday night youth, and on the weekends I had everybody over to my house for a barbecue, and we sang and praised the Lord. We got churched. That's what I told my girls, you know, when they were at college, and they was like, "How all these people we go to school with? They go to church on Sunday." And they go out drinking every night, get drunk. I said, baby, y'all just didn't go to church. Y'all were church. Yeah. We, hey, that was our life. Yeah, and we raised them that way. And like, uh, you know, just talking about your son being to, going to jail. He ain't never been to jail, you know. And it was like, we don't do that. We were, they say we were strict, but we were probably, but... We chose to live for God in everything that we did. That's good. Everything. On on purpose. Everything that we did, we did it on purpose. We made a choice to follow the Lord. And I told my kids if they ever got on drugs, I would kill them myself. I said, I ain't waiting 20 or 30 years for you to OD. Right? Look, I had a buddy I went to high school with. I work with him now. His daughter got on drugs. Same age as my oldest daughter. Got on drugs in high school now. Had a couple babies he had to raise. And then when she was 35, she OD'd. Most of her, half her life on drugs, off and on. And he wrote a obituary to her on Facebook, fellas, I couldn't even read it. It was it was terrible. And I was thankful that I'd threatened my kids when they were growing up. I said, because I'm coming. It's, I don't care what's happening. Your fault, somebody else's fault. I'm coming. And I'm going to get you. And somebody's going to be sorry. That's just the way it was. Because these, these drugs get a grasp on them. And they don't let go. It's the devil, y'all. It's the devil. Drugs, alcohol, all of that. Right. I told them, I'm coming. Somebody's going to die. I don't know who it's going to be, but somebody's going to die. Yeah. I, I ain't putting up with that crap. And even like with, I have two children that are married. One's, you know, one, I have a son-in-law and a daughter-in-law. And like when they were all over at the house one time before they all got married, we were grilling out and everything. And I was cooking me some smoked sausage on purpose, you know. <laughs> I had me some smoked sausage laid out there on the grill and I pulled it over the side and I had my children out there that were talking about getting married. And I had my meat cleaver with me. <laughs> I said, now, anything takes place before y'all get married, Look! <laughs> And my son-in-law, Noah, some of y'all know Noah, he went, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Noah's not a small fellow. No, he's not. But he's scared of me. <laughs> and, I mean, we just raised our kids like this. We ain't going to test the waters. So ain't going to be no trial and error. You're going to get it right. And if you don't get it right, it's not going to be a bad consequences. We're going to be able to fix it. And praise, pray the Lord on how to do things. So, with a meat cleaver. That's right. <laughs> on purpose. On purpose. Everything's on purpose. <laughs> well, so, we flow on. Like, look, look. Sorry. 
That's all right. Go ahead. Well, anyway, we started this church. Pastor comes to us. Hey, y'all want to be discipleship counselors? Yeah, sure. I was on the night shift working like, like I said, I got work 99% of most people. And I was working, and we thought, yeah, sure. So we had to go down there in the mornings and go through discipleship counseling classes, and I'd be about to fall out of my chair in there, you know. We had these books we read and everything. Well, we started counseling people from the foundry. And that's what we did. Sunday morning, church was over. We got some meat, came back to church, canceled till 6 o'clock service Sunday night. Wednesday, get there at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, counsel people till 6 o'clock that night. We were churched. We were in it to win it. And we still are. Like one night I was down there and my best friend called me who worked for FedEx. And the church was right close to FedEx down in Bessemer. And uh, I answered the phone. Brother Alfonso, y'all know him. And uh, he said, hey, you at the church? I said, yeah, I'm at the church. He said, he... I can't remember the guy's name. They always went by CB handles, you know. He said, someone's going to come by the church. He wants to get baptized in the Holy Ghost. I said, well, tell him to come on by. My appointment canceled, so I'm here by myself. Well, he comes by, and we start talking, and he says, I want to get baptized. He just kept talking about it. I said, why do you keep talking about it? Let's do it. And so... We prayed. He got baptized in the Holy Ghost. Fell out on the floors praying in tongues. Then he gets up. And he says, man. He's, he, he's like, you see that cloud in here? The room was filled with a cloud. I said, I see it. I see it all the time. And so we just go on moving and rolling with the Lord. Things happening. Discipleship counseling. And then I start teaching a class every Sunday night. Just, but our children saw all this as they were growing up. They saw the example that we set for them. I would be teaching those guys from the foundry on Sunday evenings, and one night I was uh, teaching on Psalms 91. Y'all know Psalms 91? (laughs) About the protection of the Lord. And my little girl, my baby, my littlest girl, She's not little anymore. She's 24 years old. She walked up behind me as I was teaching on Psalm. My 911 is Psalms 91.1. For whosoever shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Who, everybody in here is a whosoever, right? And I was teaching and right now I was reading that. She walked up behind me and wrapped her arms around my leg and just stood there while I was teaching. I said, here's your perfect example right here. Right there. That little girl thinks that nothing in this world can bother. It's her place of safety. So that's the way the Lord should be in every one of our lives. As me, you know, as a man, you got a lot of pressure on you. Just being a human being, you got a lot of pressure on you. But being a man. You got a lot of pressure on you. Being a husband, he's tried it five times. It took. Yeah, he finally took. Finally. And uh, so, being a hu- a dad, oh my God, be a dad. Y'all, especially if you got girls, oh my God. It's like, hey, wait, wait, we got to figure this We got to, yeah, we got to figure this one out. But God has placed you there. To, to be the head of your household, to, to love your wife, hey, and to listen to her. Come on. To listen to your wife. That's a big thing. Men don't like to do that. Right? We like to, boom, kick that door down, let's go. But it, it takes training. Like, like my young, two youngest daughters, they're not married. Like, Dad, how do we find somebody like you? I said, baby, you'll never find anybody like me. Because I wasn't like this when me and your mama got married. This was cultivated. <laughs> this is a fine garden right here. This thing was cultivated, Amen. pruned, 
limbs cut off. Fertilized. Yes, fertilized. And my wife prayed over me so much. Praise God for that woman. Praise God for that woman. She put rougher than a cob, me. And she prayed for me. She prayed Psalms 1 over me. And still prayed for me. Because I hadn't reached perfection yet, as she said. <laughs> but, working together. And you know, it's not always roses. Come on. Okay? Come on. So, back to Kevin. This is my real talk. Okay, so we bought a farm. And, you know, had to renovate a house. Oh my God, the work. Hadn't been for my brother. He's got heavy equipment. I would have set the whole place on fire and burned it and started from scratch. <laughs> I mean, these people that had it, you couldn't even see the barn because they hadn't cut the grass in so long. In this place, the guy that originally built it, he had it fence, cross fence. He raised all kinds of animal critters. And I had to go through there. He, the one good thing he did, he used four by four, six foot tall. So I went through there and put tape on, pink tape on one of them. And every third one, I'd cut the wire. And my brother-in-law come in there with a skid steer with the grippers on it. And he just pulled that up and put it in his dump truck. And so forth and so on. But I had to walk through all that crap and cut it and tie it off and all that. Well then, when we did all that, we had five dump truck loads of fence and crap. Post and stuff like that. He's got like a medium-sized dump truck, not a big one. And uh, so then, he puts his mulcher on there and he goes through and mulches everything. And when he's all done, it looks like it's been like that forever. Now I have beautiful grass and all that type. But anyway, back to my real talk. So we're doing all this, and it's costing a lot more money than we think because of COVID and all that crap. And it takes forever to get everything. Windows. Windows. Oh my God. We ordered windows. They're supposed to be there in June. They got there in October. And you couldn't do anything until the windows got there. After the six-month. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then I called up there one. I said, the place was right across the Tennessee line. My place is in Killen. This place that made these windows was across Tennessee. I said, dude, I'll get a truck. Come up there and get it. He said, you don't understand. He said, because the way the government was subsidizing people and all that, he said, normally we employ 2,400 people on three shifts. He said, because of all this that's going on, we have 600 people working. I said, okay. So anyway, we're doing all this and getting things done. And I, like, my, I run the docks at the post office. What comes in, what goes out, what goes on, what comes off. I've got the best job at the post office. I work 6, 2.30, Saturdays and Sundays off. And I, what we were doing for a long time, they'd call me in four hours early, two hours early, let me work an off day. And I was taking all this money and I was funding my farm with that. Well, so they decided that quality wasn't important anymore. And they said, we're not going to do that anymore. But... What we're going to do, we're going to quit flying the mail to save money and start trucking, having more trucks every day. Twice as many trucks as we used to have. But we don't want y'all to work any overtime. We just want it all to work, which it doesn't. And uh, so, last summer, about this time, they quit letting us work overtime. Well, my wife was telling me she's smart. She's got three degrees. She's real smart. And she's a lot smarter than I am, but I don't tell her that. And, uh, that's smart. That's, that's smart. smart. You, did. Yeah. you did get with them. And so she's trying to talk to me about all this. And said, look, you're not working as much. We got all this going on, all this money rolling and everything. Gentlemen, in one year, I lost $45,000 this past year. 
$45,000 of income. Well, you know what Jeff does? He goes over in the woods and sticks his head down in our armadillo hole. Oh, no, that ain't really happening. But it was really happening. I just wasn't paying attention to it because I was scared. And my wife was telling me about it. And, you know, it makes money issues. And money issues in a marriage is a tough thing. Yeah. Come on. So, I'm thinking, last year I'm thinking, well, I got $800,000 life insurance policy, which is worth a lot more than me. Right. So that's what I was thinking. And, but... The only thing, I would think that, but it was always the Spirit of God on the inside of me yes. talking to me yes. when I couldn't talk to myself, yes. Very when I couldn't be sensible to myself, Amen. telling me that wasn't the way to go. That's right. yeah. Very good. And I've stood on this Word for a year. And I, well, matter of fact, before I came up here this morning, me and my wife were talking about it. Talking about what are we going to do. And I'm going to have to make some changes. Yeah. I'm going to have to make some changes in my life, maybe go to a different shift or whatever, to where I can do something else also. You know, whatever the Lord would have me to do. And see, I've been at the post office 37 years. I can get any bit job I want. We bid every month. I can bid and get any job in the building. So what I was telling her this morning was I go the night shift, get night differential, work Saturday and Sunday night, get double Sunday premium. So, you know, you have to do things sometimes as a husband and a father yep. to take care of your family. Because yep. what I'm going to do, as soon as we get through with all this and I get all this paid for, I'm going to retire. And I'm going to grow crap like you ain't never seen. <laughs> I'm going to grow fruits and vegetables, uh, maybe cows, chickens, I know. And see, I have four kids. I have and one adopted son. And, they are, and three, three of them are married. and have, I got eight grandchildren. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to grow enough food to feed all of them. That's going to be my job. Because I ain't afraid of working. Like I said, I can outwork most people. I am not afraid of working. And, you know, I, and this is something I thought and chose to do, and it's going to be on purpose. Because I've always, like, uh, I've always been big on doing things on purpose. Like, I've worked out since I was 14 years old, and I'm very nutritionally minded. I'm going to live a long time. And I'm going to be strong. Yeah. Because I don't mind. Like before COVID hit, right now I'm not in as good a shape as I have been. Before COVID hit, I was like bench pressing 285 pounds like working out with it. And it's, it's hilarious. My daughters, my two youngest daughters, they go to the same gym I do. And one morning I was sitting there working out before COVID hit and I was bench pressing I look down the gym, and here comes my youngest daughter, my mini-me. She was walking down through the gym, and I was watching her walk, and the way she was holding her head, I said, oh my God, there comes me. She was walking just like I was. She didn't even know I was there. And she came walking up, and she said, Dad? I said, what is it, baby? She said, don't you think you're lifting too much? I said, no, I'm going to put some more plates on there in just a minute. And so, just always being on purpose, training. Like, I'm an encourager. Yes, you are. Even when, you know, when I've been going through stuff, like I, I talk to people on the phone, I'll be like, you're talking about. People call me, I call them. Like, if somebody's not at church, like a couple of times, I call them. Me and a I don't call women, but men. You know, like Greg wasn't at church a few times dealing with his mom. So I called him, see what was going on. You know, let's talk, you know. Greg, you know, Greg, he's like, he's got it together. 
He's my brother, and I love him because of that. He's a man's man, and I love him because of that. But I was just checking on him because I hadn't seen him. And I have young men that call me and talk. I go have coffee with them, that type of stuff. But it's, it's not because... It's because that's what God's called me to do. Like, even with stuff going on, you know, because, you know, everybody I work with, they all got cut back too. And so, when we'll be out on the docks, you know, we have a moment, we stop and pray over these things. Even if something's going on in your own life, you never stop praying with others and encouraging them that things are going to get better, you can do better, because that's the way things, that's the way God wants you to do things, and that's the way that He works. Turn over Genesis chapter 1. Sir? You're going to go better now. Oh, yeah. Uh oh. Watch out now. Yeah, they don't want to do that. All right. All right. So, God created everything, right? He spoke it into existence. Yes. Then He makes man. I'm going to meddle with two things right here. Okay. When God created man, well, let's, let's read what it says right here. Let me find it. Okay. So, let's go... Verse 26. 126. Then God said, God said, Ruler of the universe, let us, us, make man in our image according to our likeness. Who's he talking about? Our. Yep. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He made you a triune being. Yes. Uh, who was talking about Was that Kevin talking yes. about that last night? Yes. yes. Spirit, soul, and body? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So He made us in His light and made us a triune being. Then He says, Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him male and female. He created them. Alright? So right there, He says He created them. He created him male and female. And then, when He, puts, when he decides that Adam needs a helper, a helpmeet, he puts him to sleep. Well, the King James and the New King James says he, when he called a deep sleep to fall upon him, he took a rib out of him. But that ain't what it says in the Hebrew. It said he took a side of him. Because God had created him male and female. And he took a side of man and made a female. I always say it's like the right Twix and left Twix factory. <laughs> and he brought us together so we could be crunchy together. <laughs> and so he created them. So then he put them in the garden. He made a garden for them. Why did he make the garden? Why did he make the garden? So that they would have somewhere safe to be until the rest of what He had spoken started growing up. Did He tell them to stay in the garden? Or did He tell them to subdue the earth? Okay? He told them to go and subdue the earth. Okay, so what happened? They stayed in the garden too long. And temptation came because they wasn't doing what God had told them to do. And then they got put out of the garden. Alright? So where do we find that testimony in the New Testament? When Jesus ascended to heaven, 
What was His commandment to us? First commandment. Go ye into all the world and preach the Gospel. But what were they doing? They were having a house party in Jerusalem. So what happens? Paul comes along. Or Saul. And starts persecuting the church. Well, the first thing you read after that is Acts chapter 8. Philip's gone. He's in Samaria preaching. Well, what happens when he starts preaching? Signs and wonders start following the Word. Go ye into all the world. And it's so much easier for us now than what we can get on a plane, get on a Zoom meeting, get on a phone call. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. What happens when you preach the gospel? Signs and wonders. What do you tell us to do? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Four things. Heal the sick. Cleanse the leper. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. That is our call, gentlemen. And do not be afraid to lay hands on somebody and pray for them whether they're dead or alive. Because yeah, <laughs> it it's nothing but practice. What did Jesus say? What did Jesus say? He said, I pray. He said, he said it's the Father that does the work. So there's no pressure on us. Just do it. Yeah, it ain't our power. It's all we have to do is speak the Word, lay hands. I pray for somebody at work almost every day. People come get me. Hey, Jeff, you need to come pray for this truck driver. One, uh, he got diagnosed with cancer the other day. My coworker said, hey, hey, Jeff, Jeff. She said, uh, uh, this guy's been diagnosed. You need to come pray for him. Not can you come pray for him. You need to come pray for him. So I mean, no matter what we got going on in our own lives, go preach the gospel, lay hands on the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, and cast out demons, which we need to do in this earth. I always go back. I am look. Kenneth Copeland changed our life. I don't care what anybody says about him, thinks about him. That man changed our life because when my wife and I were first getting started. We had hardwood floors in the house, and she was like sitting at the de- our desk there, and the- we had a big den. And she was uh, she had the TV on, and she uh, was like paying bills and stuff. And I am, um, I'm monk, y'all. Y'all ever watch monk? Yeah. I'll clean something, <laughs> and when I clean it, it's clean. And I was down on my hands and knees cleaning the floor. Like, I, I, I cleaned those floors because they was hardwood, you know, I wanted to take care of them and everything. Matter of fact, it's uh, like, it's been a curse to my son-in-law, Noah. Because <laughs> Lindsay will say, well, Dad used to get down on his hands and knees and clean the floor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, uh, so I was down doing that, and then I, this guy came on TV and it sounded like John Wayne preaching the gospel. And I stood up, and I stood there with my mouth open. And my wife goes, What's wrong? I said, I don't know who that is or where his church is, but that's where I want to go to church. She said, Oh, that's Kevin Copeland. I've been listening to him for a long time. And I'm like, Why ain't you told me? I guess I wasn't interested. But anyway. We we got in this church. We got in. See, God orchestrates everything. I saw Kenneth Copeland on television when I wasn't even watching television. And the man man changed our family, our whole family dynamic. We're still married. All my kids are alive. Never been on drugs. I've never had to look for one of them. I've never had to look for one of my children. They probably had opportunities, but they was probably scared. And uh, but we have served the Lord. Okay, I just took care of a little bit further. My daughter-in-law, my son, went to UAB. Then wanted to go to Oral Roberts University and get his master's. Y'all know who Oral Roberts is. Okay, so first day, his father-in-law, who was a this man, was a genius. 
He was a Mensa member. He was a for real genius. He was a doctor. A couple of doctors. A couple of different doctor's degrees. Well, my son, son's wanting to go to RU. He's, he's going to take him out there to talk him out of it. Because they had like visit day or whatever it is, weekend. Well, not only when they get there, does my, wife, my son see his wife working on campus and my father-in-law tell him, well, you better go talk to her because you might not ever see her again. Well, he goes to talk to her. Well, then they go sit on and on some classes and my father-in-law not only quits trying to talk him out of it, he says, I'm going to pay for everything <laughs> and I want to go there myself. <laughs> this is how God works, y'all. Come on, come on. And so he goes there gets his master's, my daughter-in-law, she gets her master's, then they get married, and then she's praise and worship leader. She sang for uh, Christ for All Nations. It's a school. She was the lead singer there. She took Carrie Job's place, if y'all know who that is. Yeah. Well, she took her place, so they're, they're working at ORU and like some uh, recruiting stuff like that. Well, my daughter-in-law, she wants to be praise and worship at Oral Roberts. And they're like fussing, you know, like, well, we need to leave. I said, look. I said, y'all know who Bill Winston is? Yeah. Yeah. He's always said, it's a setup. <laughs> I kept telling them, y'all, it's a setup. And they kept on, you know, saying that. Well, one day they're in the, uh, like, deli in the college eating lunch. Well, the president of the college comes up and sits down and he said, can I eat lunch with y'all? I wanted to talk to you. So he sits down eating lunch with them and he asked my daughter-in-law, I said, hey, how would you like to be the praise and worship leader at ORU? <laughs> how about that? <laughs> and so, it's a setup, y'all. God's setting you up for something. Yeah, yeah. And so then, my son's, I forgot what else my son did, but I know he's taught the Holy Spirit class to all the freshmen every year. And just like, okay. So they keep them. They give them jobs. They didn't want them to leave, so they give them all jobs. They give them a house. Pay for all their utilities. So they don't have any utilities. Pay for the house insurance. Everything about the house, they cover it. Why? Because the Lord was looking out for them because they were praying. They had praying parents and we were all seeking the Lord. And the Lord works things out for you. Just like your daughter, right? And your daughter. Stay in the Word. Speak that Word. Me and my daughter, we're going to have a perfect relationship according to the Word of God. I'm going to be her father and she's going to be my daughter. And it's coming. It's coming. It's a setup. Yeah. God's going to work things out because He always does. Just like with what I'm going through right now, God's going to work it out. Yeah. I may not like it. It's a setup. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I may not like some of the things that take place. I might have to get out of my comfort zone for a minute, but I've been there before. And I all look, I don't blame anything on God that's bad. Because Jesus said in John 10, 10, it's the enemy, the enemy that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He said, but I have come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. You don't even have the slightest idea of what God's got in store for you. If you did, it would scare your pants off. And you'd run like crazy. But God is set, sir. There's a process to the purpose. Yes, there is. God is setting you. You just keep walking the line. It says He's a lamp unto my feet. A lamp don't He don't shine it so far. If it was a Q beam, He showed you way down there. You'd be, oh no. Yeah. Can I do that? Can I really? But it's not you. You're just obedient. You're just obedient. What comes with obedience? The blessing. Uh, what is it? Um, uh, Deuteronomy 28. I love it. I love it in there in the first part of Deuteronomy 28. It says, if you're obedient to the Lord, it says, the I always think about it as when I was a little kid at the beach. It says, the blessing will come upon you 
and overtake you. I always think about when I was a little standing at the beach, you know, standing in the water looking at the beach, the big old waves that go, whoa, come over you, you know. Yeah. That's the way God wants to do you. Yeah. You can't outrun Him. He's coming for you. I always tell people a lot of times, like when you're calling on the name of the Lord, I'm an Avengers fan. Or used to be. They're kind of getting silly now. But really, I'm a Hulk fan. I had the first Hulk comic book when I was a little boy. And I always tell people, I said, it's like God's like a Hulk. He's sitting up there on His throne and He's like this. He's looking down at you and He's waiting on you to say, God, come help me. Come and on. nothing can stop Him. Come on. Amen. Nothing can stop Him. He's coming through everything, through every circumstance through, to get to you. But you, because you know why? Because God loves you. Yes, He does. He doesn't. He can't help it. He loves the worst person on this planet because He is love. He's not just the verb love. He's the noun love. That's why you know people talk about it. You know why? You know, God is. He's. He is just pure love. And nothing evil can stay in His presence. Nothing evil can be in His presence. And He loves you so much, He's going to do everything in His power, which is all power, to come to assist you. I did a thing on prayer at church last Sunday. You know, we should know how to pray and to speak the Word, but there's also a spirit of prayer. To have that relationship where you just you know God. How do you know Him? You get in that Word, listen to it, read it as much as possible. Fill your house. Fill your house. I love that. I love that, brother. That scripture of Matthew. And uh, it's like there's a spirit of prayer. And when the when everybody was in the upper room. And they, was waiting. they were up there praying all in one accord. They were all seeking the same thing. What were they seeking? They were seeking God. And it says that a sound like a rushing mighty wind. It didn't say it was a rushing mighty wind. It says it was a sound. And everybody in Jerusalem heard it. And they all came to the temple courts to find out what was going on. That's when they, Peter and all them were speaking to them. It was like a sound from heaven. The Spirit of God. And then you go back... Because see, the Bible bears witness of itself, does it not? In uh, 2 Samuel chapter 2, in verse 54, well, David's coming up to battle the... Uh, he's coming up to battle the Philistines because they've set themselves in array in the field of Raphim because they heard that he's become king. Well, David comes out and prays and says, Lord, shall I go up and take the land? He said, yeah, go ahead. Well, he defeats them. Well, they all retreat. Well, then, like I don't know what time frame it was, the Philistines come back. David goes up to the same place and he says, Father, should I go up and take the land? And God tells him, see, you've got to be listening to the Spirit of God. God tells him, no. Encompass circle around behind them into the mulberry trees. And he said, He says, when you hear the sound of a man walking in the top of the trees, he said, Go up. He said, For I will go before you and defeat your enemies. And you know, I always I always think of that movie uh, uh Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yeah, that's the best kung fu movie ever. When they're like going through the tops of the bamboo trees, I think of that scripture every time. But he said when you hear the sound, the spirit of the Lord, you can hear the spirit of the Lord. Be in tune with your spirit, man. Okay, let's take it all the way back to the garden for another testimony of that. All right, so we go all the way back to the garden. And after Adam and Eve had sinned, they were hiding from God. 
And it says that they heard the Lord walking in the garden in the cool, but that's not what it says in the Hebrew. In the Hebrew, it says they heard the Lord in the wind, in the cool of the evening. Listen for the Lord. And I just I love those like very technical things like that. You know, sometimes you can sense the presence of the presence of the Lord and not even be saying anything. Very good. It just like he just it just comes on you and just like whoa. Whoa. And I mean that happens to me a lot. And just doing things on purpose, seeking the Lord. I mean I love what Steve had to say. Just talking about seeking the Lord on purpose. Just all the time repeating no matter what's going on or what's happening, you keep seeking the Lord. Even if temptations are coming up in your life, you keep seeking the Lord. Yeah. All you have to do is repent and ask for forgiveness. Yeah. Keep seeking the Lord. Yeah. And He'll be there. He'll be there anytime you need Him. And just don't ever let somebody tell you that He's not going to help you because He is. Yes. He is your, that's his whole purpose is to get you to where you need to be, where the, what he's setting you up for can happen. You can knock yourself off course, right? But just keep, get back on that course, keep walking towards him, listening to it, get it, y'all, this word right here, this is the most precious thing you own. If you don't have a Bible, get one. Look, I got, I got a Dake study Bible. This thing's so thick. It's got so many notes and everything. Oh, I love it. I mean, but you just take the New Testament. You take the New Testament is probably it's not as thick as the Cosmopolitan magazine. It's about that thick. And if you were to take what that New Testament, what it says it will do in your life. And you bottled it, and you sold it at Walmart. They'd have to bring it in armored cars, <laughs> wouldn't they? Wouldn't they? Yeah. Come on, bro. <laughs> so stay in this word, read it, speak it, meditate on it, murmur about it, and keep it before your eyes night and day. What do you tell Joshua? Do not let it depart from your mouth. That doesn't mean don't speak it. He means speak it all the time. And I'll tell you one little thing since I said Joshua. I'm going to tell you one little thing about Joshua. And I love these types of things in the Bible. Joshua was out praying about Jericho. About taking the walls of Jericho. And he's praying and he turns around and there's a man standing there with a sword in his hand. And, and uh, Joshua says, are you for us or are you for them? Neither. He said, no. I'm the commander of the Lord's army. Who's the commander of the Lord's army? Jesus. He says, I'm the commander of the Lord's army. He, hey, he wasn't on Mount Sinai. He said, the place where you're standing is holy ground. Remove your feet. I mean, remove your shoes from your feet. So wherever Jesus is, is holy ground. And Jesus is in you. And you carry it. Where you go is holy ground. And you're able to minister the Word of God with authority. Because you're standing on holy ground. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's all I got. Good word. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Brother Jeff. Yes, sir. Well, guys, let's, let's do this. Always like when we hear the Word and, and bring the Word. And remember when you share the Word, wherever that is, whether it's publicly, whether it's privately, endeavor to ask the Holy Spirit to connect what was shared to what they can do. Remember, James said, he says, we hear the Word and we are blessed. When we do the Word, we actually tap into the blessing that's in the Word. Praise God. Does that make sense? Do y'all see that? Yes. The Word itself intrinsically yes. carries blessings. Yes. But when we let the Holy Spirit give us action to the Word, it's when you actually unbottle the blessing that's in it. It's the action that does it. So what I, as you were saying this, 
Guys, just, just in your own place, if you've you got a Bible here, I'm putting my hand on Brother Jeff's Bible. And just right now with yourself, afresh and anew, commit yourself to this book. Yes, Lord. Amen. This is my life. Exactly. That this, this, is, my life, that this is not just a book, but this is my life. Hallelujah. It's your opinion that matters, Father. Yes. Absolutely. It's your opinion that we speak. Yes. We we keep our own opinions to ourselves, Father. We might say something that we don't need to say, but we agree with your word. Yes. We speak your yes. word into our own lives. Yes. And into other people's lives. No matter what the circumstance mm. or situation, Father, that the blessing of this word takes place in our lives and in the yes. lives of those that we come in contact with. In yes. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Amen. I said many years ago with this, and just as a picture, with this action step. Many years ago, Selena and I, we were traveling between the United States and Thailand, and, and we were in the Dallas airport. And I can't remember if we were coming or going. We were standing at the, at the gate, and I look up. Have you ever know T.L. Osborne? Yeah. I mean, you know, he was the man you couldn't, he, he loved young people so much, he grew radical facial hair just to fit in. He was way cooler oh, before yeah. his time, right? And you couldn't miss him because of his mustache and his stuff and like that. And I look up and I, and I nudge Selena. I said, that's Brother T.L. She goes, no, it's not. I said, they ain't no mistake in that, that mustache. <laughs> that, that is Brother T.L. So I said, let's go talk to him. And so, so we crossed over and introduced herself. Hey, Brother T.L., you know, this is who we are. You taught us a little bit at Raymond. You came one time. And he said, yeah, yeah. And for about a half hour, he just gave us a personal lesson. That's all. Praise God. Right. But he said this in the lesson. He said, Brad, remember this. If they can get to you, they can get to God. Amen. Listen, if they can get to you, they can get to God. If they can get to you, they can get to the word written in flesh. Because that's who you are.